Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. All right, Warren, it is here. The show that will forever have a place in my heart, no matter what anyone says. <laughs> One of the shows that if auditions ever open up again, I will have to seriously consider dropping 50 pounds and auditioning for it because I love it that much. Do you love it enough you'd play any character? Any character. Literally any character <laughs> I could. You just want to be in the show. I just want to be in the show. It is the show that led to one of the best theater experiences in my life and also led to me learning about the audience reactions that made me go, wow, things haven't changed at all, have they? Mm. We are talking about Once on this Island. So to start, I want to talk a little bit about the show and its background, and then I want to talk about the person who wrote the book that it's based on, and then talk a little bit about my experiences having been in the show twice. Um... Because it's a show that's very personal to me. It's also a show that I kind of had trouble finding information on. Yeah. Both with regards to the productions of the show as well as, like, not the productions, but the production history is in, you know, with, with Carousel, we have all this background information. With Porgy and Bess, we have a lot of background information. I couldn't find what I wanted with Once on this Island. And so I'm hoping that when the movie that's rumored to happen on Disney Plus happens, that that will lead to more interviews about the history and things like that. So some good might come from the mouse. Yeah, some good might come from the mouse. Once on this Island is a one-act musical that's often broken up in two acts, as it was done when I did it at Hale, uh, that is written by Lynna Wren and Stephen Flaherty, both not black, and based on the novel My Love, My Love, or The Peasant Girl, by Trinidadian-born author Rosa Gee, which in turn is a Caribbean retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid and ends just as bleakly as the original ending before you get to the spirits of the air redeeming the mermaid. Ah. And Once on this Island will take the spirits of the air approach a little bit. Not literally, <laughs> but it kind of does. My love, my love. I like... Uh, so I realized that we were, as we were getting closer to the episode, that I wasn't going to be able to finish the book because of just so much on my plate. I can't sit down and focus on reading a book right now. I jump to the end to see how close to the play the ending is. <laughs> I'm so glad they changed the ending for the play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whew. It's realistic. It's mm. very realistic in the book mm. on what would happen. The, I don't like... Re oh, that... The play takes... The play kind of... Well, I'll get into it further in my notes, but... That is one departure from the source material that the musical takes, and boy, the ending of the book is painful, so I'm glad that they change the ending to something a little bit more lighthearted, because, whoo! Is it a case of racism wins? It is a case of what happens if you're someone who is poor and dies on a street 
oh, basically that no one cares because mm-hmm. you're poor. Mm-hmm. And like, Ugh. there's a beautiful symbolism of a bunch of butterflies, which is Erzuli's uh, animal, uh, papillons in the book, because it's sort of written in the uh, mix. Every so often, you'll have some of the French words thrown in, or some of the uh, words that uh, the I I don't know for sure in reading the book if it does take place on Haiti but it sounds like it does Mm -hmm. and so you'll have words thrown in uh that uh just sort of remind you of where it's taking place and so they talk about the papillons and the papillons descend on her body at the end of it and that's sort of like oh they take her spirit away and that's butterflies yeah but then they talk about just they basically load her body onto the garbage collector's cart Bring out your dad. Yeah. The the book's ending is bleak. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just telling you that so that you can know. I can have how... an appreciation <laughs> for how not as bleak this yeah. ending will be. Even yeah. though it will still kick me right in the heart. It will still kick you in the heart because this is the Little Mermaid and it's not uh, Ariel with Eric. This mm-hmm. is... And and on this is fall into the sea and turn into foam. Essentially, yeah. yeah. <laughs> essentially, yeah. it has fallen into the sea and turned into foam. And whew, it, I, I couldn't find it. Like I said, I couldn't find as much about the history of the show. So, and everything that I found essentially repeats itself. I, it's one of the. Sorry, I don't. I apologize. It's Tangent. Okay. Squirrel brain. With this show, I know how much it it means to you. Yes, and I wonder because I know your your writing style, and I know that you <laughs> tend to also kind of write depressing in, mm. in terms of torturing your characters. Yeah, is that reflected in the the things that you like too, or is it the the individual components of ones on this island that you love so deeply, or is it more the memories associated? I'll get into that. Okay. I'll get into that a little bit. Because um, it's it's complex. Fair. I, I like complex. <laughs> it things. is it is very complex. Plus the music slaps. So <laughs> I am excited. Uh, Once on this island's off-Broadway run ran from May 6, 1990 to May 27, 1990, before it moved to Broadway, where it ran from October 18, 1990 to December 1, 1991. This run starred Lashans as T. Moon, and I haven't talked about her as much as I would like, but I high-key have a crush on her. Wait, Timon? Timon's in this? T-Moon. T-Moon. Means little orphan girl. Relative? No. No. (laughs) T-Moon. Two words. Not not a very good Pumbaa. (laughs) Um... And she won the Theater World Award in 1991 for this role and was nominated for a Tony, which she should have won, in my opinion. But that's just me. So the national tour went from March 31st, 1992 to January 3rd, 1993. Then it went to the West End in 94 and had a UK revival in 2009. Then they had the Broadway revival in 2017 and went on tour in 2019, and I was going to buy us tickets for it when it was going to be closed by in 2020, and then 2020 happened. (laughs) Then 2020 happened. Uh, Dear Once on This Island, when COVID is gone, 
please bring the tour back and come here so that I can see the national tour version, which apparently had on stage seating and would have led to me sobbing like a baby because I was so happy because I was in the middle of the stage and experiencing Once on This Island again, even though I wasn't actually in the show because, yeah. (sighs) Anyway, so like I said, this is based on My Love, My Love or The Peasant Girl by Rosa Gee. She was born as Rosa Cuthbert on September 1st, 1922, according to the New York Times obituary, in Trinidad. At seven, her family moved to Harlem, and two years later, her mother passed, and in Rosa's words, left her and her sister with a tyrant of a father who was terrified at the prospect of raising two girls in the corrupting influence of big city life. He remarried a woman who was from a wealthier family, and soon after... Uh, in Rosa Gee's obituary, it stated that she recounted they were swept up from or they were swept from abject poverty to a situation where we were being taken to picnics on the weekend in a chauffeur driven car. Then the marriage floundered and the girls resumed life with their father, whose behavior was increasingly erratic. By the time that Rosa was 14, he too had died to support her and her sister, Ameze. Uh, who was too frail for the task, Rosa left school for factory work in the garment district. And a lot of this comes from her obituary in the New York Times. I kind of struggled getting enough information on her as well for a full episode. I feel like I would need to buy a couple of her plays, a couple of her written works just to get a better picture of her and because she has a play i am going to be looking for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that we can cover her in more depth later cool so at 19 she marries warner gee and then in 1942 she gets introduced to the american negro theater and studies acting uh, this is also a theater that I need to do an episode about because some of the greats come from here such as sydney poitier and harry belafonte cool and uh it's it's sort of a like it's a theater, it's a theater school. It's we'll get into it <laughs> eventually. Um, like I said, all of my normal stuff is currently in a box, so I kind of had to wing it this year. But uh, this is definitely another rabbit hole that I want to go down because in 1950 she helps found the Harlem Writers Guild. <laughs> And so I had to stay focused because I almost went down a rabbit hole on that because that was really cool. So in 1954, she wrote her first play, Venetian Blinds, which is the show that I really want to get my hands on at some point. She had two short stories, Magnify and Carnival, published in the Trinidadian newspaper Nation. Then she published her first novel, Bird at My Window, in 1966. She went about recording the stories and experiences of black teens and children in her nonfiction book, Children of Longing. She wrote a trilogy of novels aimed at teens that are The Friends, Ruby, and Edith Jackson. And then in 1985, she writes My Love, My Love, or The Peasant Girl. She continued to write novels after, with her last one being The Touch of, or the Sun, The Sea, A Touch of the Wind in 1995. On June 3rd, she uh, on June 3rd, 2012, she died of cancer. And like I said, I couldn't pull as much for the biography about her as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 very pared down this week. Some point I am going to 
do a deep dive. It'll probably be in a year where I can spend the entire month of January just diving into books again. Um, but it will happen eventually. So, uh, there are going to be differences from the short novel and the musical, but as far as I got into it before I realized that I had a ticking clock, it feels pretty faithful to the themes of the show, but the musical does lighten up some things and doesn't go as deep into the relationship between the gods and as the book does, because the book actually, like... It can take the time. Yeah, the book can take the time. It talks about Agwe being the jealous, abusive husband of Asaka. It talks about mm. just the way the dynamics of the gods, because the gods are fallible, because that's how it's... Without going too much into the way that gods tend to be structured in uh, some of the semi-polytheistic religions, um, yeah, the the gods in this will seem a little bit closer to the ancestral Yoruba gods um, because of the way that voodoo and other... Uh, Caribbean religions and other religions of the diaspora have kind of come about because they sort of blend the ancestral gods with things like Catholicism to survive mm -hmm. in the diaspora because uh, there's a there's comparisons between the gods and the saints in uh, at least voodoo and I think that's the one that this play goes with and the book goes with. Um, and the book kind of puts the gods in a different light than in the musical because the musical, the gods have a little bit more importance to everyone. In the book, uh, Tauntaun Julian, who's the adopted father of Timun is very much like, oh, the gods are just old, uh, old superstitions, whatever, we need to work, you know, oh, you're talking to your gods again, that sort of thing. Uh, at least as far as I got in the book, because I wasn't able to get as far as I wanted to. And, uh... This musical also hits very differently if you do not keep the casting as it is in the source material and in the original show. Because the musical takes place on Haiti and tackles stuff that we talked about in the Joseph Bologna episode. One of my favorite episodes and also one of my least favorite <laughs> conversations of the yeah, topics yeah. of conversation. Because this show tackles colorism and the caste system that's created by colonialism where lights mm -hmm. lighter skinned and mixed black people are more favorable to the white colonists and then after the revolution they're the ones who are now in charge who have all the wealth and you can see where it goes from mm -hmm. there and it definitely shows up in the play and it hits very different when you're in shows where it's not a completely all-black cast. How so, Kay? <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. Can so <laughs> the first time I did it, and I am not going to... I am not going to rag on the youth theater for this necessarily because I get why 
they had to do what they did. However, I I do feel like maybe a different show should have been chosen because in in Utah until 2020 at Pioneer Theater there were no all black casts of Once on This Island. That's not to say that there weren't enough black actors to mm-hmm. be in an all black cast on, of Once on This Island. Some of that is either a choice on the part of the casting director or the director themselves or on the uh, choice of the producer of the theater or the owner of the theater. Like I said, the first time I did it was at a youth theater and it was the last show that I did with that youth theater because I was aging out of it. And I... I have very mixed feelings about that experience because it was great. Mm -hmm. It was fun. But it was really weird that there were only three of us in the show who were black. Mm -hmm. And... None of those three were T-Moon. <laughs> that does seem like a problem. And I, I adore the girl who played T-Moon. Mm-hmm. But it did feel weird. And I'm pretty sure it felt weird to all three of us. Yeah. Because the show, they had to change the lyrics for a lot of the show. Mm-hmm. Because... The lyrics mention that the peasants are as black as night, that the granome are pale brown skinned. They mention that in the lyrics of the show, because this is pretty much a sung through show. It's weird to have to change that. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> It's very, yes, yes, and it is, Kay. I, again, I totally get, I, I had also been in a shortened version of Hairspray with this same theater as Motormouth, well, the same youth group as Motormouth, and it was me and two other black kids. <laughs> There's having, the theme. <laughs> having seen two versions of Hairspray. I think there's something wrong with that, Kay. <laughs> yeah, and and again, I I love these people so much, but it was very whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, in these a, people? Platonically. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I. It was it was very odd, and it felt odd at the time, but. Also, at the time, I was kind of like, okay, well, you're a youth theater. You can't really pull in the adults that I've acted with. Mm-hmm. And any, all through going through theater as a kid, I can count on, let's see, I can count on both hands, actually, the amount of people who I acted with, but I don't fill up both hands, mm-hmm. who were also black in youth theater. It expands as soon as I get to the adult realm. Yeah. It, 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 it's an uncomfortable topic because it goes into this, this multifaceted situation of like, maybe if you don't have enough, if the show 
really, really, really requires a specific ethnic group and you don't have enough people who can feel fill that role, it is icky to substitute. Yes. And even as children, you get that and you mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. And it, it does, it feels like uh, uh, almost... Approaching it from two different perspectives. You almost have like the typical, I want to say, Utah encapsulated um, delusion where they kind of sugarcoat the outside. But Mm -hmm. if you pierce the sugarcoating, you realize that it's not great. Yeah. And that's kind of what that feels like with what you're describing with the show. That on the surface, you had a great time and you enjoyed being with these people and doing this show. Mm -hmm. But if you have to scratch the surface a little bit, it gets really problematic and uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah. And and it, (laughs) it really did make me kind of reflect on my time in all of the theater schools and community training or community theaters where I I basically was one of just a handful of black students at these places or black actors at these places. So that's kind of the thing with that first version that I was in was the youth group. The second time I was in Once on this Island was at the Hale Center Theater when it was still in West Valley. That was so much Oh my gosh. So the first time I did it with the youth group, I was Asaka. And that was fun because I got to sing. I got to have, got to do Mama Will Provide. It was a fun song. But at the hail, I was on stage percussionist, which was so much fun. Because even though I was still part of the ensemble, I was doing something else on stage that I'm really passionate about, which is percussion, especially African percussion. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love watching Kay go to town on a pair of drums. Yes. And so I I had a lot of fun with that. That was an almost all-black cast. And I say almost. And I'm not sure why this decision was made. So... Once on this island at Hale was double cast for everyone except for a couple of us. And that's because Hale does double casting because you have a cast that does Monday, Wednesday, Friday shows and the Saturday matinees. And then you have a cast that does Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday shows. And the one of the Erzulis was white. We had... One gentleman who was Polynesian, and then they had a reference to the book with the butterflies, and that was another white girl. So it was a little odd. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was like, but we're mostly all black cast in this show. That's fine. And uh, both T-Moons were the cutest women... Oh my gosh, I love them both. <laughs> and, and you know, they, they were able to still have the same dynamics. Uh, we didn't have to cut any songs. We didn't have to change any lyrics. It was awesome. Except for the reaction from some of the older audience members. I hate this part. Yes. 
So I didn't hear it firsthand, but Mama K sure did, and Mama K was not having none of it. Somebody mentioning they need to stop doing these N-word shows. Okay, what year was this? 2007. 2007. Mm -hmm. So it's, what, 14 years ago? Everything's good now, right? I mean, as a member of the black community in Utah and the black theater community in Utah, I signed a letter in 2020 (laughs) to this same theater. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I remember... uh, The meetings, yeah. And... I will say that it sounds like they've improved. Which is good. Which is good. and Progress is important. Part of the issue is not feeling the support from the people who run the theater. for Because it, it, it's going to get back to the cast members if it's said in the lobby or if it's said on the comment cards. It is going to get back to us at some point. Or it'll get back to us in the form of suddenly a drop in shows that have large black casts. That's the that's the one. Is that they, they go? We capitulate to the racists mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we want their money versus maybe you know uh, not supporting racism. Yeah, and maybe doubling down and going, oh, we're gonna do a whole bunch of other shows that you've never seen because mm-hmm. it's done by black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that was, it was eye-opening, but at the same time kind of made me go, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe things will get better next year. And the next year we did Civil War. And then (laughs) I I have stories about that one too, um... But that's partly because I got to act with Meryl Osmond, and he is a giant teddy bear. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, I do not follow him on Twitter. I do not want to find (laughs) out if he is a secret. Like, I I, don't tell me. You don't want almost (laughs) grandpa tainted. Yeah. Which is uh, understandable because you're... You're like, I may hear about that when he dies. <laughs> yeah. The other Osmonds that I know have been cool. Please do not tell me that, <laughs> that he's a bad Osmond. Please don't. I don't want to know. <laughs> I already had a bad year last year with mm. so many people showing themselves. And this yeah. year, people showing themselves. <sighs> but um, it it's one of those things where I... I wish that I could relive that show, but not necessarily the audience reactions to that show. Oh, we also had folks in the reception line asking where they brought us in from. Yeah, like they like they bust you in like, we don't have black people in Utah. Where did they bring you in from? Yeah, and it's like, no, we all live here and we were in the shows last year. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it was it was a fun experience too though because with this version similar to when we did Aida at Hale Theater we got to take african dance classes we got to do african drumming lessons uh we it was it was so much fun and i'm probably going to put some pictures up on our twitter from that because oh my goodness it yes. was so cute 
even even with some of the racism from the audience <laughs> members, I still look back on this so fondly because it was it was good though. Yeah, it was really good and it was the same sort of feeling that I got when I was in Ragtime at the Hale and the same feeling that I got Naida at the Hale of these are my people mm-hmm. to to quote the T Moon that we had at one point just I love black people. <laughs> and it was like, yes, yes. I love us. Yeah, th- I love us. <laughs> thinking about some of the shows uh that we have done and it 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 God, I'm getting on the soapbox, but it trickles back into some of the crap that we're seeing now mm-hmm. in the political sphere of it's just if you even talk about mm-hmm. the the impacts of colonialism and how that's still felt like today now like it's still yeah. very much ingrained in the fabric of uh, of the country and makes pe- people don't want to talk about that they yeah. don't want to have to address that and so it's easier to just make it try it try mm-hmm. it's easier to try and make teaching that illegal mm-hmm. than to actually uh address it yep. and maybe learn from it mm-hmm. and maybe move forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I, I, I guess, cause I don't want to go on for hours, especially, but, could. Beca- but I could because I have so many positive memories of doing this show and especially the version that I did at the Hale because of just being with people who uh, I I just <laughs> it was it was like a a breath of fresh air a little bit cuz I don't know I I always felt it's it's similar to funnily enough being with you even though you're not <laughs> black <laughs> of feeling like I can be authentic to myself because I didn't have to code switch and I didn't yeah. have to and just being around people who, at the very at, at the very least, understand the same sort of stuff that I go through. It on the other side, like with you, even if you don't fully understand it, you listen and you stand up for me, and you are there for me unconditionally, and that's so important. And uh, it's it's one of those things though where. When we had our meeting on the uh, on the letter that we all signed in 2020, I kind of felt like crying being on just a Zoom call with people these, that you know and yeah. love and miss and haven't yeah. seen and yeah, yeah it, that I haven't seen for years. It was beautiful, even though it was a terrible thing Reason. that we had to <laughs> yeah. do. Well, not terrible thing, well, but it was a. It was a thing that we were just like, we got to do something about this. It's unfortunate that the reason for the meeting was not uh, a more positive reason. It was a, yeah. hey, yeah. injustice is happening. Yeah, it was, ah, oh, I just, I love those people so much. I love, I love all of them and I miss all of them. And uh, someday I do want to do once on this island again. I want to drop all the weight. And then I want to ask them, hey, how do you feel about having a non-binary person play Agwe or Papa Gay? Hmm. There you go. Hey, because I can do that. You could. I can sing Rain. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can sing baritone very well. <laughs> 
even though I never got the training to fully engross my baritone voice. <laughs> Which I'm having trouble doing right now because my throat's a little scratchy. Hello. <laughs> anyway. Back on um, track. Kay. Back on track. So the version we're going to be watching is one that I think you'll be really excited about. It is from the American Theater of San Jose. They do good stuff. Yes. I, I like everything that we've seen from them. Even if it's a show that I have things that I complain about, like, they do a good job. Yeah. So, so I'm excited. Yay! Yes. So, Warren, are you ready to go see Once on this Island? I am ready <laughs> to see a show that you love very much, that I have heard very much about. Ah, uh, well, I shouldn't say very much. Anyway, that I've heard about that is going to kick me in the heart, but I should be grateful because it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah. So yeah. let's go. Let's, let's go do this. Let's go. Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to talk about our favorite people in the whole wide world? It is. Woo! We'd like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu, Jeff, Tyler McCarty, and Shamik. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Taylor Brandt, Jesse, and Cookie. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies. Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye! And now... The lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Alright Warren, so, hit me with it. What did you think of Once on this Island? Uh, it made me sad. It made me sad, uh, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it made me sad, which I don't like. Mm -hmm. it's one of those shows I want to say it's about the journey not the destination but the journey relatively is short honestly the way they yeah. jump there it's more about the uh, interpersonal relationships between both the humans and the gods yes. the gods don't seem to have as much of a, a relationship relationship they do because I didn't really get, like, any family dynamics between no. them when I saw it. No. It was very much like, uh, uh, I don't know, peers yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's the way that they have it set up in the musical. In the book, uh, as far as I got, it's different. It's it's very much Asuka is Ogwe's wife. Much bleaker, and, is too, yeah, is what you're telling me. The book is bleak. Yeah. Like, there, there are... As far as I've gotten into it, there's... Because I will finish reading this um, because it's good. But yeah, it's... This is without... I, 
I hate to use the word disnified, but it we talked about it. it is it has that that sugary yeah. sweet colorful coating. Yes, but this one at least keeps the pill that you have to swallow with it. Of hey, here's the inequities, and here's what those inequities born, and it's as yeah. good as it could be in my opinion, as a musical written by two non-black people. Partly because the source material that they grabbed is from a black person. It, yeah, that's the, and that's the thing is I don't want any kind of criticism that I have to come across as uh, uh, criticizing of any of the Haitian components, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it, you know, very well how I feel about Romeo and Juliet yes. style yes. romances. <laughs> this is a Caribbean Romeo and Juliet. I mean, of course, that's a With, yeah. It's a gross oversimplification and inaccuracy, mm. but it it's one-sided. <laughs> it fits the pill a little bit. Yeah. Um but it's I don't know. It, it is good. It's well done. The music's very good. Mm. Uh, I would say I particularly liked the costumes and the god characters. The god mm-hmm. characters reminded me a lot of the muses in Disney's mm-hmm. Hercules. Yes. And I loved them. Yes. Because, you know, they're very, they're larger than life. They are helping to move the story along. Mm-hmm. Uh, just very, um, um, very beloved component of that story. Same way with the gods. The yes. gods are very entertaining, uh, very different, and a little, some of them a little childlike in their own way. Mm-hmm. And it, the, it gave me a lot of, uh, Memories of just early Warren years of being really into Greek mythology. Yes. And hating how horrible the gods were to mm-hmm. just everyday people, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I got that vibe from these guys, too, but with a Caribbean flair and maybe <laughs> a little more likely to forget what they were in the middle of doing and then remember later and then be like, oh, bye. oh yeah, I'm here to ruin your day. Welcome to polytheism, Warren, where the <sighs> stuff that happens in monotheism gets spread out mm. amongst many instead of just one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it definitely is much easier to manage a monotheistic religion because then you don't have to worry about currying favors with other gods and then infighting between, you know, the loyals to Set and the loyals to Osiris or whatever <laughs> variation you want to make. Anyway. Instead, uh, <laughs> you just uh, are always making God mad because no matter what. <laughs> no matter what you do, you're making some God mad. There you go. Excellent. Very well put, Kay. Very well. Yeah, that's that's Greek mythology and in turn this a little bit of this as well. Is this just if you're making this person happy, this person over here wants to ruin your day. Mm. All right. Instead of everything <laughs> that you do, making one person unhappy. Mm. Yes, you're just... <laughs> there you go. So the show opens up with a storm and a child crying and gods talking about the island and how there are two factions. Oh, I should mention these are not gods. These are other villagers telling a story. Oh, okay, 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 thank you. Thank you for that clarification. So when they are the gods, Mm -hmm. in the context of this, it is still villagers playing a character. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I. They, They do take some, that's another thing that I like about this show, is that they do a good job of showing storytelling that, uh, 
was sort of the basis two years ago when we were talking about, like, different forms of what could be considered theater in Africa, and they're kind of bringing that into this of, oh, we have this person playing this god or being the uh, person that this god is embodied in and this one is has the god embodied in this person and stuff like that so it's it's similar to that they make a nod to it which i like having all the storytellers being which it is a very small cast and i like it when it's a small cast instead of a large ensemble of we have to have everyone in the high school play them or we have to have you know it it um it smacks of some mild similarities to Godspell in that yes. respect, where you yes. have everybody playing a character and actually playing, because you have everybody's a villager, mm-hmm. but then every villager is playing at least one character in the story that they're telling. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so that means, okay, thank mm-hmm. you for clearing that up, though, because uh, I did think some of the gods were supposed to be there as, like, the gods, yeah, not no, villagers they are, playing the gods. They are villagers bringing on that character for, okay. or okay. that god for the story. Sorry, let me, me uh, no worries. S- swipe off some of this dirt and grime uh, <laughs> from wallowing around in my ignorance. So, so yes, yeah, so we are in the middle of this opening. Okay, okay, and this makes it more. This makes more sense. So the girl crying at the beginning. The adults are telling her a story to calm her down. Yes, that. Yes. Hey. hey. <laughs> I may not be the first one to cross that finish line, but I will get there, okay? <laughs> I will walk. I will crawl. I will roll and flop, but I will get there. I, In all of my explaining things during watching the show, I should have explained that, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Villagers are comforting a child who's crying, and they're pretending to be gods. But they're talking about the history of the island. I guess not the history, but they're talking about the island and how there are two factions on this island, the paler-skinned Granom and the dark-skinned peasants. We get into the intro song from all the gods as they introduce themselves, and people beg Agwe not to flood their freaking garden. Man, life is rough enough without you gods actively making all of our lives harder, you insanely powerful jerks. (laughs) all right so the peasants are singing about how they're connected to the land and also at the mercy of it and the grand homme on the other side of the island behind their walls with their toilets and shoes and champagne if someone deserves to be harassed by the gods it's these guys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyways okay the gods jump in and are like hey two different worlds not meant to be and then we spotlight on our pro tags as they stare at one another from across the room, all Romeo X Juliet style. <laughs> and there's layers to that joke because Romeo X Juliet is an anime about Romeo and Juliet. That ta- <laughs> K, K, flying horses. Uh, <laughs> and Juliet, what? and Juliet is a, is a, is like a Zorro style vigilante. What? No. I watched. What? I watched like four episodes of it for free years ago, uh, and it, 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 yeah. This watching this, it made me think of like if Japan gets a hold of this story, we are gonna have like literal gods using magic and a war between the the French descendants and the <laughs> island natives, and it's gonna be actually probably awesome, but wildly oh, inaccurate. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Back on track. 
So we get to the gods, summary plot of this, and this turns out to be a test between love against the power of death. Again, because the gods are jerks. But, so, the girl was saved, the, the girl they start telling the story about, because uh, it's storming, a girl is crying, everybody's trying to comfort her. Oh, storm's not so bad. In but fact, let's tell you about T-Moon, who was an orphan child in a storm and saved by the gods for a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, th- that's also different in the book a little bit, because it's, <laughs> again, bleaker. <laughs> oh, so so bleaker than girl has both her parents die in a storm. She is left in the tree by her mother. Ooh, you are right, that is bleaker. And Agwe gets mad at Ooh. her being left in the tree by her mother. Yeah. So Agwe kill mama? Mm-hmm. Well. And leaves her in the tree. And... <laughs> yeah. Leaves the kid in the tree. Oh, leaves the kid in the tree. I thought you said yeah, Agwe no. killed the mom that left no, her baby in the leave. tree and put the mom's body in the no, tree. Like... No. <laughs> the series of pictures that took place in my head under that misunderstanding was hilarious. Because you have this horrible mom being like, I don't want my baby. Put it in the tree, walking away. The god of the ocean is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Makes her fall into the ocean. Then, like, uses a wave, does, like, a <laughs> wrist, and throws her back onto the island and into the no, tree. No, um, it's it's more of a T-Moon is the extra child kind of sort of oh. thing and is getting... Uh, they me, can only afford yeah, to take me, care of one, and this is... Let me grab it, actually, from the book, because it's told better do, 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 do. so although the herdsmen had prayed and beseeching the gods reasoning with jesus still it didn't rain the girl four years old then the youngest smallest and weakest had fallen her mother picked her up and carried her up on a hill or carried her up a hill and put her in the curve of a mango tree that had been her orphanage her torture her nightmare Loneliness had been her heritage. Her mother walked away to rejoin the herdsmen, leaving her to die. And Ogwe roared. Oh. And, yeah. That's like that. And uh, <laughs> talks about him drowning everyone. And But in one continuous wail, the wind encircled the tree where the girl lay, and not a drop of water touched her. You know, just in the bit that you've read, it's well written. Yeah. Like, no. it's very... Rosa Gee amazing yeah very poetic <laughs> amazing writer <laughs> very good okay so one thing that we've established the gods are jerks yes. um but we're talking about timon this girl who was saved from drowning by one of the gods and then sheltered by another so k actually talked about that so agwe ocean god real mad uh kills everybody well, not everybody, but kills those people. And then it's Asaka, the uh, mother of the earth. Yes. That cradles her in yes. the mango tree. Yeah, and that's that. So in the book, they explain his motivations. In the musical, they don't. Really. That's, other than... You know, they, they, they... It's paced well because it's not... It doesn't feel drawn out. No. Like, it, it's a, it's 92 minutes and it... it makes good use of yeah. all 92 minutes yes that is another very good thing about this musical it's it's well paced i love it so uh the girl orphaned cold well i guess not cold she's fine she's sheltered in a tree uh but there is an older couple taking a nice morning walk and they hear a child crying in the tree and they ask her name 
but the girl does not speak, and the older couple starts debating the finer points of the god's will. Did they save her, or did they select her for death? Who knows? The gods are lunatics. But through the power of love... <laughs> the gods must be crazy. The gods must be crazy. Through the power of love, the love goddess makes the older couple help the tree-bound orphan. The couple adopts the girl, this one small girl, to live for. They name her Desiree du Dome. Yes. Desiree du Dome. Mm -hmm. God-given desire. Hard to remember, but thankfully they call her T-Moon. Yes. And then they all sing about T-Moon and what a whirlwind of a child she is. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly she's 14 to 16. It's kind of ambiguous on her age. Still a minor. That's important. Yeah. But now ready to face the world on her own in a grand adventure that will result in her death. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. So... The song uh, ends, and Teen Moon now stands before us. <laughs> <laughs> that did it for you, Teen Moon. I thought it was a little clever, but I'm also very, very simple and basic. So Teen Moon now stands before us. Now on CW, Teen Moon. Oh, oh, we can make jokes about that later because I have a theme song. Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> but we got to get through this depressing stuff and then we can talk about things that make us smile and laugh. <laughs> so Teen Moon sees a young man in white go driving by in a car. Teen Moon expounds on the feelings and thoughts of what it would be like to be one of the island's wealthy. The freedom and pleasures that they enjoy. What not being dirt poor and all. And Teen Moon sings about how she feels like she's waiting for life to begin. Mm -hmm. But in like a, like, like, oh, I'm just standing around waiting for my life to begin. Yeah. And it and, and it's one of those things I want to reach through and go, no, Teen Moon, stay, stay. So, I'm sorry, <laughs> side tangent, have you seen... Oh, crap. What's the movie? Happy Madison? No, no. Billy Madison. Yes. Duh. Happy Madison yes, production I have. company. Do you know the part where the one kid tells him he like, can't wait to grow up? Yes. And he grabs him. He's like, don't you say that. He's like shaking. You stay here where it's safe. He'll keep you safe. That's how I feel with Teen Moon right now. I want to grab her. No, stay here with your mommy and daddy who will keep you safe. Yes. The world is bad. Yes. Stay. And eat mangoes and be in the ocean and the sun. Yeah. And, and this, uh, for folks who are more familiar with the Disney Little Mermaid and not the, uh, the Hans Christian Andersen tale that this is based on, I guess you could call this her part of your world. Mm, it's yeah. her I want song. That it's is, her, it is her I want song. Yeah, because yeah. her I want isn't necessarily a boy at this point. She it wants is, freedom. Yeah, she wants the freedom. She wants to see the world. Yeah, and it's similar to Ariel and her I want to be a part of this world because I live in the ocean. And it's also similar to the other mermaid going, I want a soul. Basically, this is a very good adaptation of Little Mermaid, Once on this Island is, as well as My Love, My Love, The Peasant Girl, and those should be lauded as the best interpretations of it because yeah. they stick to the themes and source material very well. You know, it really, really resonates with me, too, because I also really miss having a soul. I know. Just, you know. 
So <sighs> how is that tablet that you traded it for doing? Oh, I'm using my phone to read it off, read uh, the script off of because uh, the tablet what's doesn't want to connect. What's the return on the tablet to soul like, ratio? Uh, I'm realizing now that I shouldn't make decisions when I'm tired and hungry because I can be <laughs> talked into just about anything. <laughs> so anyway, after Teen Moon blows the roof off with her I Want song, she gets really tired and decides to take a little nappy nap right here in the dirt. <laughs> Time for a little breaky. Yeah, little, little breaky, breaky for, for me. me. <laughs> just right here. I just sang really loud. I'm going to lay in the dirt and go <laughs> like mood. <laughs> it just made me laugh that she's just, ah. Okay, just we'll lay down right here. <laughs> Sorry. It's as okay. I laugh and scream directly into the mic. I, uh, <laughs> So anyway, after she blows the roof off with her awesome song, she gets really tired, decides to take a little nappy right here in the dirt, and all the gods laugh, because uh, I guess they were listening, and they're like, oh, so you want a rich boy to take you with him, huh? And they joke about dropping a mango and knocking some sense into her head. But the love god is like, give her what she wants. Love is powerful. In fact, it can even beat death neener 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 <laughs> and death is like oh oh don't start this are we really going to kill more mortals to prove points between each other are we powerful immortals really that bored oh all oh, right removed empathy because we're immortals okay let's play a game of love versus death and the gods give teen moon some secret boons as they set the game board and get the pieces ready to be set in motion yep Agwe gives the push for the pieces by bringing in pouring rain. And uh, Rich Boy is dum-dum and apparently freaking racing along the road in this storm and crashes his car. And this is where I want to talk about the sets of this show. And another reason why Once on This Island is one of the greatest shows. <laughs> I love the sets. And, and it's great to see other productions doing the same thing because... Uh, it's very much a using recycled material sort of set. And this this version took place in 96. So this is not the revival version. This is around the time that the show first premiered. Um, and it is just for the rain, they had the streamers coming down off of umbrellas that the cast is using to bring the rain in. And we did something similar at Hale. I unfortunately don't remember what we did for uh, the youth theater, but it's just, it was so cool. And it's so cool to have these repurposed pieces to be your set piece because you're bringing what you can to tell this story. It's, it's, uh, it gives it a layer of authenticity that I really like. Yeah, which is absolutely fair because there's so many shows out there that are com very fake. Yeah, and, and... And even when they're trying to be authentic are just very fake. And it creates a different spectacle with this because mm -hmm. it's still a spectacle. It's just not... Because I think of other shows that we've seen like... You've got Joseph, you've got Phantom of the Opera, you've got, uh, wow, I am really dragging Weber today, and I don't need to, um, but <laughs> he drags himself. But, you know, you've got a lot of shows that go completely style over substance. You've got a lot of shows that do substance over style. This one 
does both and it, does both really well. It strikes a good balance. And yes. that was something that I that uh, you brought up the sets, which um, we both paused and talked about when we were watching because yes. I was very impressed with how they did a lot of their practical effects as well, mm -hmm. um, communicated the meaning very efficiently and using uh, for essentially junk items mm -hmm. to achieve it. Mm -hmm. Very clever. Yes. Uh, so that was that was quite fun to see. Yeah. It's it it again it it does it in such a way that works mm -hmm. that really works and the once on this island on Broadway the revival uh, took that a step further and really made it feel like at least from everything that I saw from stills from promotional videos and stuff um, again makes me really wish I could have seen it because. Mm -hmm. It just feels like it hits all of the points that it, it, that this show tries to do and does it really, really well. Hopefully I can the sing future, my praise. Yeah, hopefully the future will be kind and we'll we'll be able to see a production. Absolutely, because I love this show. Dean Moon rushes into the rich boy's wreckage and then cries into the night for someone to help this poor rich boy. And Dean Moon lays over the boy's body and pulls him into her arms. Which is really bad to do for someone who's just been thrown from a violent car wreck. Yeah. She could be causing all sorts of additional damage to his neck and spine. And But maybe the power of love can fix that. I don't know. I don't really want to try. No. I'll tell you what, Kay. If I ever suffer a horrible spinal injury, knock on wood, you can try healing me with the power of love. Uh, we're gonna just do everything we can to keep you from having a horrible spinal injury. See? That's exactly my thought, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm Anyways, the rest of the village comes in, and they're like, Oh, crap. We've got a dying rich boy on our doorstep. This is bad. Mm -hmm. And Teen Moon is like, The gods are a bunch of twisted psychos playing games with mortals. I mean, I will save this boy. <laughs> And the villagers take the broken rich boy to Teen Moon's mat and then sing about how Teen Moon seems possessed. She has been tending to the boy for days, not eating or sleeping despite the pleas of her parents. Teen Moon is like, he needs me. Leave me alone with my broken boy. <laughs> and I, I should correct. Only her mom is there because her dad. Oh, that's right. Her dad goes to. I forgot because I did note that later. Her dad books it to the city to be like, we've got a broken rich boy. Yes. And in the book, they actually <clears throat> have multiple families that they oh. are going to. The The musical shortens it to just. Yeah, yeah it just makes sense because they don't know who he is. Yeah, really. they don't know whose kid he is. And he's running all the rich families. Hello, are you missing a boy? <laughs> Basically. So Teen Moon asks Asaka, the mother of the earth, for a little help with this situation. Oh, and uh, the gods hate the rich, and so they want the boy dead. And they're angry that Teen Moon is so devoted to keeping him alive. And the gods have a rage rave and dance around while lights flash. <laughs> and that that scene is fun to play on the drums. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I didn't go into it enough, but so the percussionists... Uh, the way that we did percussion for Hale, it was me and uh, two other guys, one of them you do know, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if he would be okay with me sharing his name on our show, and I don't have enough time to ask him, but 
So the three of us were on stage for most of the show doing percussion. And it was so fun because there were some call and responses. There were some, <laughs> ah, it was so fun. It was so fun. And that, that song hurts your hands, but it's really good. Do your hands just go numb after a while? Uh, first they sting, then they go numb. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, they, yeah, they sting because you're smacking them, and then they go yeah, numb, and then, and then after the song, you're like, and you can't do that because you're on stage oh, the entire show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've you've just got to kind of grin through any pain that you get <laughs> and just keep going, just keep going. It was the awesome. show must go on. The show must go show. on. That's why you're so tough. Uh, that's why I'm broken. That's why I sometimes have to use a cane. <laughs> <sighs> musical theater mm-hmm. although it, it, i could tell that it's a fun scene to be in though mm. just because it's like the rage rave like the gods are just so frustrated they're like we must dance and then there's all these colors and it's it's kind of the <clears throat> interpretation of what because nobody knows that the gods are having this little game that they're playing no one knows that as far as they know the gods are mad but it's like well you know, it's it's sort of that materialism, idealism cake that I've talked about in the past <laughs> mm-hmm. um, on what's the what's the actual root cause and what is the cause that we as humans use to try and figure out what is going on and all of that. And that's a good example of it. Pray is a great song. I love that <laughs> song. They cut it down a bit during uh, Once on this Island Junior which is the version that youth theaters tend to do. Mm-hmm. It's very shortened, cuts out quite a bit, cuts out anything that's uh, more adult theme. <laughs> what do you mean, Kay? Uh, human heart's a little differently played. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, any sort of allusions to what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's no rise like yeast line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Once Very on nice. this Island Junior is is different. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it makes sense. And it's even more different if you're in a Once on this Island Junior that has white people in the cast, because then you have to cut the grand tale of the Bazome, which I think mm-hmm. may be cut from Once on this Island Junior. Y- you know, it would not surprise me mm-hmm. at all, just because of the subject matter of mm-hmm. it. So, okay. Speaking of. <laughs> we'll get there, yeah. So after the rage rave, the scene flashes forward to one of the men who left the village to travel to the city. So this is... Uh, this uh, is Tauntaun uh, Julian. Thank you. Tauntaun Julian, Teen Moon's father. Mm-hmm. Adoptive father. And he rushes to the city uh, to make people aware that a dumb rich boy crashed his toy and is all banged up and broken. <laughs> and the cop was ready to beat this poor guy into the ground. He was like, what? A rich boy in danger? Let's go! And they rush off. Yes. Back at the telling of the tale of Teen Moon, our love-struck hero is starting to go crazy from sleep deprivation and goes into her dreams as she sings to her broken rich boy about how even the gods can't stop her and how he is hers. And she starts singing with her dream version of her rich boy, displaying a concerning level of imaginative reciprocal love But suddenly the god of death jumps in to tell T-Moon that what she's doing is pointless because he will have his rich boy. And T-Moon is like, ha ha ha, kill me instead. Take my life for his. And the Caribbean Kira is like, (laughs) 
So, <laughs> oh. so Caribbean Kira is like, your life will forever be mine, girl. And teen romance is like, okay, he's totes my soulmate, and I'll give you my soul forever to save this boy that I just met and who doesn't even know I exist at all. <laughs> and Caribbean, Caribbean, and oh yeah, Caribbean. Oh wow, I like Caribbean Kira, Caribbean, and then I had to break it up so that I would remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> the way I wanted to and then I ruined my own joke so Caribbean is like evil laugh oh. <laughs> so much evil <laughs> I am the god of this new world <laughs> hey, well, yeah. <laughs> oh man oh, and then he's just like laughing evil laughing while I'm bathed in red light <laughs> I think that character would be a lot of fun to play. Why do you think I want to play him? <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be a lot of fun to play, and he gave me serious, uh, 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 uh crap, what's his name? Um, 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 Princess and the Frog. Dr. Facilier. Thank you, Dr. Facilier. Gave me heavy Dr. Facilier vibes. Oh, yes, oh, yes. That's kind of where the, uh, imagery comes from, is sort of the way that, like, Papa Gay and, uh... I think it's mostly just Papagay, how he's portrayed in uh, vo Voodoo. So, so yeah, it... Ha! Ah, yes. Because I've got friends on the other side. Wrong show. Wrong show, but... <laughs> I like your spirit, though. <laughs> Wrong show, but he's got the spirit. Uh. The screen fades to black and comes back. And we get a history lesson about the island and how, uh... <clears throat> In the time of Napoleon, a man named Armand came to the island, built a house, had a wife, and then had relations with all of the peasant girls all over the island. And Armand had a boy from one of these... escapades... who grew up. And then there was a war with throwing the French off of the island. But when Armand was cast out, he cursed his son to be shackled to the island by his black blood while his heart yearns for France. And we get a complex synopsis of how the rich hate the poor because the poor remind them of where they came from, and it's just stupid arbitrary colorism and lines of division that pit varying levels of victimized people against themselves. Yay, colonialism! Your shadow stretches far and darkens much. Mm-hmm. Oops, yep. uh, let me brighten up the mood with um, Teen Moon's dad coming back. I with, just with... I just wanted to step in and say that that scene, when it is cut out of the show, really doesn't... It, it, it changes what the show is about, and I hate that. Because it's, it's the, we're going to You're whitewash right. yeah. the history of Haiti, and we're going to whitewash why these divisions happen. Because... Ah, there is a line in the song that every time I hear it just hits me super hard, and it's, uh, they despise us for our blackness, it reminds them where they're from, the sad, sad tale of the bosome, and it's like, just that line right there explains the whole show, mm -hmm. and if you don't 
have the show cast appropriately, if you don't have that song in the show, the rest of it just is this vapid tale that is Little Mermaid slash, uh, slash Romeo and Juliet without the undercurrent of why it works. That's where we go into the Disneyfying of it. Yes. You're taking, you're taking out the uncomfortable truth bit. Yes. And focusing on the shiny, sugary coating. And that's why I hesitate to say that Once on this Island Disneyfies my love, my love, because it more makes it, it makes some of the harshness palatable, but it keeps the stuff that really needs to be said. It keeps the important. In there. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps the really important stuff, which is talking about the root of the social and economic inequity. Yes. And it is, and that is where, that's the thing is like, that's the root cause. And from that, you get all the other problems. Yeah. And that's honestly where I feel Aran and Flaherty tend to shine really well because they also did ragtime. Yeah, same, very similar, well, not very, not a similar story, but a similar situation and kind of telling. Yeah, yeah, and they do a very good job with both of those shows, with mm -hmm. both Ragtime and Once on this Island. I feel like I like Once on this Island a little bit more because it does throw it into your face a little bit harder, but because ra Ragtime still has a little bit of white savory a tiny bit yeah. this there are no white saviors true, true. and i would say i can also see why you would like this show because with ragtime you have the great like ragtime music and stuff yes. the music is definitely one of the best parts of that show mm -hmm. and you have that kind of thing but the the people in play are so very different because the people in ragtime more or less are you know americans who are like wanting mm. to just be american that's all that they just want to be american yeah and uh that's it and then with once on this island you have people who their situation is desperate because of you know colonialism mm -hmm. the shadow of colonialism mm -hmm. and they're victims of yes that absolutely and it just it it highlights in one song and it's not saying that it solves the problem, mm -mm. but it highlights the problem very well. And it's why I, it's it's why I have such mixed feelings about the first time I did this show, because <laughs> understandably, because again, I loved that. I, I still love doing that show, and I loved that production. But boy, it hits different when you do it authentically. Or as close to authentically as Utah will let you. And I think that that's, that, that, you know, what you're touching on, that's, that's where some of the, the the root feeling of that comes from. Is because if you cut the important stuff out of that show, you're talking around it. Mm -hmm. And talking around it and cutting it out is, in my opinion, uh, concerningly close to being okay with it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and not to say that people no, who no, did no, no, that no, no. were. It's no, no, just... I, it's... It makes it easy for people who go, oh, it's only a class issue. No. And not... Well, like, it, saying that, oh, it's only a class issue. It, race has nothing to do with this. It makes that a little bit easier because they don't think about... <laughs> They don't the think about colorism yeah, as racism. Yeah, they don't think about colorism as racism. Well, and, like, if you have... Because the way that our show, that the youth theater show was cast, 
both T-Moon and Daniel were white. Mm-hmm. So it turns it into a class issue and takes out the mm. race issue. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But, but the racial component is the reason why there is mm-hmm. a class issue to begin with. Yes. So it... <laughs> yeah, and it's it's why you can't separate the two as much as people try to. You really can't. And it's why I get so frustrated with people trying to whitewash things that happened in america and in the colonies of europe because it's like no you're just letting that problem keep festering you're just like you are not actually tackling the root problem you are ignoring the root problem and putting band-aids on it instead of actually going in fixing things because you can (laughs) Mm -hmm. like there are things that can be done It's just very complex, and as humans, we like to do the easy thing because we are still animals. We are still animals. Mm Mm-hmm. Rawr. (laughs) But yeah, so. Uh, The Grand Tale of the Bozom. Important song. Don't cut it out. Just, uh, it's, it's why the show needs to be done with an all-black cast it it really this is one of those shows that you can't compromise on that with in my opinion i agree because it's completely it's completely ingrained and interwoven into what the mm-hmm. conflict in the world and the subject matter is yeah it's not a situation of somebody being upst- upset about like oh my gosh they're having a black person in shakespeare it's like okay well in that time, there were black people in Europe, you yeah. know, being black people. Uh, that's fair. Do you remember hearing about when Julia Roberts was thinking of being Harriet Tubman? <laughs> I think, yeah, you told me about that. And that kind of highlights the, no, you can't yeah, have a white person tell this story. That, yes, you, <laughs> yes, exactly. You were, you perfectly, it's not a, yes. Because what story are you trying to tell at that point if you're having Julia Roberts play Harriet Tubman? You can't do that. trying to anticipate the counterpoint. No. (laughs) No, Hamilton does not count as Mm -mm. as the opposite bad thing that some people want to pretend like it is. No. Quote, unquote, reverse racism. Yeah, no. Hamilton does not count in that way. It really does not. It really does not. (laughs) There there are inequities. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to hop off my Uh, little soapbox now and let you continue your notes. I apologize because, as you know, I get extra ranty this month. Oh, and I have lots of things to say, too. And I, uh, yeah. So, Teen Moon's dad comes back with rich people to help retrieve the broken rich boy. Teen Moon cries in absolute heartbreaking terror as she cries out for Daniel, who we've learned the name of. Teen Moon insists that the rich boy will marry her, and the gods will it. They're in, <laughs> they're in each other's blood. Teen Moon is super set in her conviction, and has this, has this girl had any sleep? I mean, last no. we checked in with her, she was very sleep-deprived. Uh, is she still hallucinating and delirious? Maybe don't let her make important life defi- decisions. You know, just a thought. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, tie her to her bed for like a day. <laughs> 
make her sleep. Okay, um, but the older parents try to sing some sense into Teen Moon. But Teen Moon is like, I'm in love, Mom and Dad. There ain't no mountain high enough or valley deep enough or river wide enough to keep me from going to... What? What was his name again? Daniel. Daniel. I'm going to Daniel and nothing can stop me. Oh, man. The gods talk about how Teen Moon left her village and saw the devastation of the storm all around her. But she found herself walking with old friends, the birds, the wind, and other nature things. Asaka, the mother of Earth, either manifests herself to Teen Moon or she's like there in spirit and giving Teen Moon empowering comfort because after all whatever Teen Moon needs mama will provide bugs will bite and the dark will fall but even if Teen Moon has to walk in the dark she'll make it because mama will provide I love this song I I do love singing this song <laughs> even though it is on the upper end of my vocal range um it was also really fun to do at Hale. Uh, I was one of the birds, which <laughs> made it easy because I also was playing the claves. Uh, the oh, gotcha! I I had to play that during the whole thing, so dancing while playing that was really fun. The costume was cute. <laughs> it was just fun, and I love that song. And uh, I I know that one of my friends would want me to sing part of it on the show but i don't know if i could so just imagine that i sang mama will provide here i'm so sorry i am very sorry it is out of my range now i am old <laughs> so i'm not sure if teen moon is still in her sleep deprived state because she's uh dancing and hugging asaka well she was but then she leaves but leaves teen moon with the puppets sorry asaka leaves Teen Moon, but she leaves Teen Moon with the power of the song still in her heart. Because Teen Moon finishes out, Mama will provide. Then the others come in to talk about how some say this, and some say that. And some say that the gods drove her there themselves in a fancy car. But no one knows for sure, or some say. However, they all do agree that she made it to the city. But there is still no consensus on how much people did or did not say. And, uh... This has a nice nod to the original uh, Little Mermaid story where the vendor man that may have picked her up, may not have, it may have been the gods, gives her a pair of shoes that are too small to wear, which references in The Little Mermaid how the mermaid, when she gets her feet, it feels like she is walking on glass forever. Ooh. Yes. Little Mermaid is dark. It is a dark story. Ooh, feels like she's walking on, like it hurts her feet to it walk on them. It hurts her feet to walk on them. Well, I mean, they would be brand new and have like no calluses, mm -hmm. but ow. Mm-hmm. Ow. Mm -hmm. I do not like that imagery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Little Mermaid is dark. Yeah. So, uh, Asaka, the mother of Earth, narrates as Teen Moon, with the help of the gods, is able to get past a gate and a guard. Some say the gods even picked her up and put her right next to Daniel's bed. But I think they were, I think we're about to find out what some people say is wrong. <laughs> However, uh, they don't show how she actually got there. So I'm going to go with the gods just picked her up and plopped her right there because mm -hmm. we never see how she actually got in there. But she mm -hmm. gets into Daniel's bedroom. So, however, she did get there and she is there next to Daniel. And then Daniel wakes up and he's like, what the heck? 
How did you get here? Get out before I call the guards. And Teen Moon is like, what? You mean you don't remember me? I'm Teen Moon. I saved you from your mangled vroom vroom because you're a dum-dum who thinks that a race car driver, who thinks he's a race car driver mixed with Aquaman. Turns out you're neither. But here, let me rub your leg better. That's his thing. He's like, my leg won't heal. She's like, I will rub it. I will make it better. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, what's the harm of having mm -hmm. this pretty girl in my bed rubbing my leg? Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniel is like, you and your peasant superstition, well, I am rich, and I do deserve to have whatever I want, mm -hmm. so I'll let you stay here with me while you rub my leg, while the gods play music that reminds me a little too much of, can you feel <laughs> the love tonight? I mean, they did it first. This is pre-Lion King. There you go. I mean, well, we do know Disney tends to steal a lot of what they... Well, Disney. They don't steal. They find, I'm doing scare quotes, inspiration from lots of sources. Disney, is this why you're doing a Once on this Island on Disney Plus? Is this why? It's okay mm -hmm. if you tell me. It's okay. But is this why? <laughs> So yeah, heavy uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight vibes. And I'm right, because the love god is singing the song, so you know what's up. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the love god sings about how you are part of the human heart tonight. Brown chicken, brown cow. And all the gods <laughs> watch the two of them. <laughs> and the night became day, and then a week became two, and little by little, she was here. Healing him. Mm -hmm. And everyone comments on what the rich boy could want with a poor girl besides... <clears throat> mm -hmm. And they continue with, once he's healed and doesn't need her, he'll get rid of her. And then it cuts to the father telling his son, hey, everyone wants to have fun with a peasant, but you need to grow out of this. And Daniel is like, no, I love Teen Moon. Which does surprise me because I like I know of I've known of this show for years but mm -hmm. I never have known details because you were like we'll do the show I don't want to spoil it. like I always assumed he would be a complete jerk yeah so I was really surprised when he's like very kind to teen moon and mm -hmm. just love it like I don't want to say loving because I don't <laughs> It's a complicated situation that he's in, but I don't feel mm -hmm. like that's... Anyway, 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 anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So... <laughs> uh, he's having fun on the side. He is... What is the term they use in coming to America? Seeding his royal oats or something like that? I don't know. It's been too long since we've seen that. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so it does surprise me that Daniel is not a complete jerk, at least right away. I know they changed stuff from the source material, but I thought Daniel would always be a jerk, not, like, actually sweet and into Teen Moon. And uh, after Teen Moon tells Daniel about what their house and their perfect life will be like in the not-too-distant future, Daniel gives an actually sweet song about how some girls do this. They care about having perfect nails and mm -hmm. powders and all this. And some girls are like that. And he says that, you know, she's she's as wild as that tree and she's as free as the wind and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And he pays Teen Moon some very sweet compliments. But I'm waiting for the snap back to the kick in the heart 
part that I know is coming. And during during that song, you see someone getting ready. And that someone is Mm, about to get introduced. That someone is about to get introduced. Mm -hmm. Brace myself. Here comes the pain. And the ending line, some girls you marry, others you love. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Mm -hmm. But then Daniel carries Teen Moon off. Sounds like his leg is better. Mm -hmm. So the scene changes to a ball, masquerade ball or something. Fancy people in fancy masks are doing fancy dancing and music that sounds (laughs) pompous. So yeah. Boy, do I hate these people in contrast to the peasants. Oh, and uh, Daniel is here dancing with his fiance who is asking about his new little black plaything mm-hmm. and who should walk into the room but teen moon looking like a pretty flower in her yellow dress and fiance girl is like oh this is teen moon how pretty our little healer is oh and she dances too well why don't you dance for all of us and teen moon proceeds to dance her villager dance while her pretty city proceeds to dance her villager dance while in her pretty city dress and dances and dance teen moon does she gets way into her villager dancing and even the rich folks start to join in dancing like teen moon Mm -hmm. and uh that is another song that is fun to play on the drums and hurts (laughs) the hands yeah but yeah after the dance teen moon is whisked away off stage so that daniel and fiance andre andrea Andrea. Andrea talks to Daniel all, Well, it's clear she loves you. You need to tell her. All right. On cue, Teen Moon rushes in all, Everyone loved my dance and said I'm so pretty and that they're glad I'm here with you, Daniel. And she latches on to Daniel. Daniel is such a worm. He turns, he peels her off of him and turns his back to Teen Moon. And as Andrea begins to explain that once her... And Danielle are married. And then Danielle can't have, he cuts her off. And Andrea, and then Andrea Mm -hmm. leaves. Uh, And it's, it's kind of bad. It's awful that he leaves her. He basically should be the one telling her this. He's a spineless, weak man is what he is. He should be the one telling T-Moon from Uh the, in fact, from the point where T-Moon is going, this is going to be our house with our tree and our garden. That should have been the moment of, oh. He he led her on Mm -hmm. and then we'll talk about it in a bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Daniel is forced to tell T-Moon that he and Andrea have been promised to each other since they were children. Their Mm -hmm. parents are old friends and all. And all, and, uh. And that the best Teen Moon would be is a mistress. Like, they don't say that, but it's it's openly very obviously mm-hmm. implied. And mm-hmm. Danielle makes a big deal about how Teen Moon is not understanding and blah, blah, blah. Don't you know how hard this is for me? Don't mm. you know how hard it is for me to be rich and have to marry another rich person? Mm-mm-mm. Don't you know? Can't you not be poor and think about how hard it would be to be me in this moment right now? Teen Moon. I hate Daniel. Uh, anyways, Teen Moon has a bit of a break from reality as all the negative words and doubts and fears circle around her as her world crumbles. The island the island death god, Papa... Papa Gay? Yes. Papa Gay. 
laughs and shows up all, Hey, remember what you promised me in your sleep-deprived, delirious state? Well, I'm here to collect. But then the god of death is like, Wait, taking your life after you've had your heart disillusioned and broken is not enough. I need not only to win, but really stick it to Erzuli? Yes. Erzuli? Really stick it to Erzuli by getting Teen Moor to kill Daniel. Kill the love in her for this boy. Kill it, and I will give her back her life. And this comes also from, uh, like, in the source material, but also in Little Mermaid, where the mermaid's sisters basically are like, here, if you kill the prince, <laughs> then you can become a mermaid again and come back with us and not turn into sea foam right away. <laughs> You'll have a delayed death. Yes, because it's it. Uh, we don't need to get. We into don't need that. to get into the source material, but just you know, it, it, this is not Disney's Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real deal. As both the gods of love and death sing to Teen Moon, she rushes at Daniel, knife in hand, but drops the knife and runs away at the last moment instead, crying. Daniel picks up the knife. And is like, how could you? How, this, mm -hmm. this guy. It's it's also okay. You know, I'm having a real hard time not saying what I want to say about this guy. Mm -hmm. This guy. So mm -hmm. he then has Teen Moon thrown out of the hotel for attempted murder, which mm -hmm. I mean. I have mixed he feelings had it about. Coming. He, had, <laughs> he had it coming. He only <laughs> had himself to blame. <laughs> Very. That's great because uh, you haven't seen Chicago. God, I love you, but I know that I song. That uh, was perfect. So, yeah. Um, I think Daniel had the hotel staff pour some honey in Teen Moon's gas tank because the girl breaks down harder than I've ever seen anyone. <laughs> Teen Moon rushes to all the people who were kind to her at the hotel, the different staff members. She reminds them of who she is and who she belongs to, her importance. And she just loses it, being like, Daniel will die without me. He needs me. And everyone at the gate is like, uh, who do you think told us to kick you out? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't say that, but it's kind of implied. Mm-hmm. Teen Moon just stays outside the hotel, not eating not moving, and weeks later, Danielle and Andrea get married. And as part of the rich people's superstition tradition, they walk to the end of the rich people property line and throw coins at the poor people, ensuring that their fortunes would multiply. Mm. Okay, island gods, how about an earthquake in the city? Destroy the hotels, maybe? Maybe a plague? Just throwing out some god ideas. I, you know, don't want to be pushy or anything, but... Just a thought. Mm. Uh, but it's so much funner to punish poor teenage girls. Mm. Anyways, back at the fall from grace to the cold hard ground, T-Moon is currently experiencing. She's uh, dying. And who should come over but Daniel, who clutches Teen Moon's hand, and you can see the look in the girl's eyes as she hopes that he's finally come to make all of her dreams come true, but then Daniel leaves. Teen Moon opens her clenched hand and drops a gold coin to the ground before falling over and laying motionless. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
Oh man, so Teen Moon's mother comes on and sings to the motionless body about how she will always be a part of us. And then her father comes on to sing too. And then the gods. And then... <sighs> Teen Moon is dead, y'all, and it's sad, and I don't like it. The gods cry, because I don't know why the gods cry, because they did this to her. But then uh, it turns out she's not actually dead, because the god of love lures Teen Moon into the water, where she gives Agwe a big old hug and uh, forgets to breathe and falls asleep forever. And then Papa Gay picks her up and takes her back to the shore, where Asaka takes her body and clutches her to her breast and this is an improvement on the book from oh no. the book this is uh basically up to the point where everyone's waiting at the gates and they're giving money out and uh drunken like peasants are celebrating as well and being a little bit rowdy around the car so then Policemen who had been stationed unseen for such an occasion appeared from the sides of the road. They swung their truncheons. The crowd fell back. The limousine sped on to its de destination. Still, policemen kept pushing, kept swinging at the half-drunken peasants. In a frenzied scramble to get out of reach, the crowd pushed Desiree. She lost her footing. She fell. Weak from hunger and pain, she lacked the strength or will to pick herself up. Then the policemen, whipped into unreasoning fury by the cringing crowd, hammered heads with their batons and f the fleeing peasants stampeded, trampling the girl underfoot. Suddenly, swarms of papillons, butterflies, appeared on the hill. They winged over the crowd, big and beautiful butterflies hit against the heads, the mouths, the eyes of peasants, the policemen, and guests. Thinking that that to be a bad omen, peasants and policemen fled the hill. Guests quit the garden for the protection of the hotel. For a few seconds, the papillons fluttered thickly over the body of the peasant girl lying on the road. Then they flew away. Only the corpse of the girl remained. She lay unnoticed for some time. Then Madame, er, then Monsieur Gabriel Bozome, on his way back from the honeymoon ship, saw the corpse on the road. He stopped his car and called to his groundskeeper, Lucifus, and then... And when the humble Lucifus came running up, he said, I don't pay you good money to leave dead peasants in front of my hotel. Do you want to discourage my guests? His sweet face was shining. His sad eyes were red from having shed too many tears over the successful completion of his son's wedding. Sorry, master, Lucifus said. But you know how they are, patron. They come, they fete, they eat too much, drink too much, they make damn nuisances of themselves, then haven't got the good sense to go when you tell them to. Picking up the corpse by an arm and a leg, he dumped it at the side of the road to await the garbage collectors, and Monsieur Gabriel's limousine drove on through the gate. The promised storm broke with a vengeance. Its roar trembled the entire island. The first true drops of rain that fell, fell on the closed eyes of the little peasant girl. They resembled tears. The end! Whoa! What?! Mm-hmm. That's where it ends? That's where it ends. That's where, they're, that's where they end. Drag her body to the street corner? To be picked up by the garbage collector. No, no, and then the island faced a wrathful storm unlike anything that they've ever seen, and all the hotels on the island were crumbled into dust. No, 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 no footnote for that? No. I quit. I quit, Kay. I'm leaving. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Hey. Goodbye. Hey, hey. Remember I'm... how the musical ends, though? Oh, I have notes. The um, musical ends okay. much better. This is true. <laughs> However, don't be depressed. Like me.
Because Teen Moon turns into a tree and cracks the wall of the hotel so that the gate would never close again. And the tree watches over Daniel and his children until the day one of Daniel's children is looking at the tree and sees the shade of Tree, mo tree Moon. <laughs> when they spot a beautiful girl in the tree... <laughs> And Treen Moon blessed the two so that they could overcome the social BS of melanin-based discrimination and love freely. And this is why they tell the story of Tree Moon. Life, pain, love, grief, hope, faith. You are why they tell the story of Tree Moon. Then we got a new recounting of the story by a new young voice, showing how the story has passed from generations, staying alive in the hearts of the people of the island. Yes. The end. Yep. And I prefer that ending to the... Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, the, whatever it was you just read. Yeah. Which, while very poetically and well-written, like the, mm -hmm. the, the woman's an amazing writer, mm -hmm. uh, uh, makes me want to die. And I don't like that. <laughs> it is a sad ending. It's a very sad ending. Yeah, it is. It is not. It, the book is. It, after seeing the book, I went, oh, wow. I love T-Moon turning <laughs> into a tree and watching over her lost love. <laughs> and watching him have the babies that she wanted to have and have the life that. You know that's what, way better. You know what it kind of gives me? It smacks a bit of. Hmm. Uh a little bit of what I've heard of the Twilight series and how that ends with the dog boy like imprinting <sighs> on vampire baby or something. We don't talk about the Twilight series. That's kind of what it reminded me of, though. We don't talk about Twilight. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, one thing, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, I think it's my, my colonial ancestors. Um, it's just, why did nobody cut down the tree? Uh, I don't, I did have that thought. <laughs> of, Why did nobody cut down the tree and fix the this gate? Is, this is absolutely a musical unless T-Moon grew that fast. <laughs> See, that's, moon. that's what I'm wondering is like, did the tree just sprout up like magically and I, like almost I as like. I feel like that is the implication. Because I Cause jumped That a, would be cool. Yeah, because I jumped ahead in the book because I couldn't find anything like quickly for a synopsis and so i was like okay well i'll jump ahead in the book and see if that uh is different or if they explain how fast <laughs> oh 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 bring out your dad a ren and flaherty were like this is too depressing to uh -huh. put on stage <laughs> yeah, i agree this is yeah it's huh yeah i yeah you know what that that ending of that book would tell me the new story like the moral behind this was uh stay in your lane don't ever dream big don't ever try to help somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh what that is is uh teen love is deadly and no good deed goes unpunished mm -hmm. no good deed goes unpunished beautiful that it's just wrong musical but um yeah oh, this show I love this show so much, and the ending, I'm very much like, I prefer this ending. I do prefer I, this ending, I used ending to too. joke about this ending just because of, and then she became a tree! What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even though they, they put a lot of tree symbolism in it, so that it, it plants... Seeds. Yes. <laughs> like, I am a tree holding away the storm. 
here in my arms, I'll keep you safe and warm. And it's even layers because she was cradled in a tree from the storm by Asaka. Yes. And then the fact that she becomes a tree at the end of it. Because I like that too, because Asaka takes her into her bosom and then it's like, here's one of, she becomes one of her children in a new way. Yeah. So there is some cool imagery there for sure. And I do prefer the idea that the tree just springs up in the middle of the hotel, just like... Yes. revenge yes. kind of thing i i prefer that ending because it's it's direct action <laughs> you know and they do also imply that the the rich people also have superstition and even mm-hmm. though they mock the poor people for having a different superstition the mm. rich people have superstition too yes and so perhaps a big tree sprouting up suddenly and violently out of nowhere would give them pause and they'd be like oh we can't touch this tree. Mm-hmm. Whatever we do, we do it around this tree. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's... Huh. Oh, Ren and Flaherty and your idealized endings of shows. <laughs> Never change, please. It's, it still makes me hurt. It still hurts. It still but... makes me hurt, and I don't like to hurt. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, but... make, make the hurt go away. Uh, I think I can with what we're doing next. <gasps> so, I totally forgot that this was on Broadway HD and available to me because I was kind of, again, going through all of my black history stuff is in a box uh, yeah. somewhere. And I was going to say, and we're still camping out in and my old bedroom. Yeah, we're still camping out in your old bedroom. So what do I do? And Bedroom slash work office slash podcast studio. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 it's not ideal. And... I, I thought about, okay, well, there is a show coming out, but it's going to be, like, at the tail end of Black History Month. I'm not going to be able to put together stuff. And then I remember that there is a musical review about Duke Ellington, or rather based on his shows, uh, on his music, not his shows, on Broadway HD called Sophisticated Ladies. So I can have one episode of something that I can easily find information on. Yay! <laughs> and close out the month with a bang and your first musical review, because you've never seen one before. Musical review? Yes. What do you mean by musical review? We will talk about it when we do the episode. I will give you a crash course on musical reviews because we've talked about them. Well, we've touched on them a little bit here and there. I say, are but we technically a musical review? Well, no, it's no. Spelled different. It's spelled French. Oh. <laughs> mm. uh, the closest thing that I can think of is the Animaniacs video review song. <laughs> okay. That that's okay. Then that doesn't even quite help for you, it. But you know, okay, I think I'm just gonna have to see it to believe it. Yes, you will. I I will put together a little history on musical reviews for you, a little bit about Duke Ellington. I'm very excited because this is stuff I can do easily. <laughs> and I can't believe it took me almost the whole month to realize that. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, next week we're going to be doing Sophisticated Ladies. Sophisticated Ladies, eh? Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you all so much for listening to this uh, wild and wacky episode of Tone Deaf. And uh, 
I hope that you all enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach out to Kay or myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Discords, our Instagram. Wait, 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 no, our Twitters, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, <laughs> as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. Please feel free to drop in, say hi, talk about kind of whatever, or, you know, also uh, talk about, you know, uh, uh, trees and yes. hotels. If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Oh, actually, that segues perfectly into how you can help the show. You can do so by going to your favorite podcatcher and leaving a five-star review. In that review, you can say whatever you want. You can tell us what kind of tree you think you would be if you were chosen by the gods to go on a journey to test the powers of love against the strength of death and to... Uh, show that you deserve to become a tree. I personally think I would be a redwood. Can I be a watermelon tree? Watermelon doesn't grow on trees, honey. You know this. You but saw me growing food. We're talking about the power of gods, though. Can I be a watermelon tree? Honey, you saw how heavy those <laughs> watermelons were when I was pulling them off the vine last year. And those were little guys. I want to be a watermelon tree. I could eat myself. <laughs> I'm a snack machine. <laughs> That's a chicken joke that I have with Kay <laughs> about how chickens can eat their own eggs and if they realize it, but they're snack machines. I don't know why Kay found it so funny in this context. Oh, if you want to go above and beyond, you can do so by going to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. There we have different levels of support that you can do. You can also go to Tee Public and buy t-shirts, masks, hoodies, uh, buttons, stickers, all sorts of fun stuff. Anyway, thank you again all for listening. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf. I love this show so much. It, it makes me sad. It's, it's, it's pretty, and it sounds nice, and it's colorful, and it's got a lot of action. A lot, not, like, not like action. Not like pew, pew, pew. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get down.